Well, it is uh, good to be here this evening with you. And uh, before we read the scripture, I just have a, a few words of introduction. Uh, when I was in high school, I was kind of uh, more of a math and science guy. I liked a problem that you used logic for to come up with one answer. Very objective. I like this. I, didn't, I did not take any art classes. I, I like the artist very much, but I was, oh, this was a struggle. English, I liked English. It was good. It's good for me. But there wasn't always one answer in English. And I was, oh, I like the one answer. You just think, think through it, you know? And uh, I am not at the peak of my mathematical prowess. However, x equals minus b plus or minus the square root of b squared minus 4ac all over 2a quadratic formula. Huh? This, this is good. This is good. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, tonight we're going to think about sin. Uh, there is a science to sin. Here it is. It's bad, and you have it. Uh, but sin isn't just so simple, of course. Uh, there, is, there is nuance. There, there can be gray areas. I, I once preached a sermon on food, and in the sermon I said, one donut is fine, two donuts is questionable, and three donuts at one sitting is just plain bad. Now, of course, nowhere in the Bible does it say that, and really, I mean, what is it, three or is it two and a half? Or I, I don't know. What's the, what's the point? The point is, what's in your heart? What's, what's going on in your heart? And, and that can be sometimes difficult to clearly perceive and, and understand. Um, and now when I say the, the art of sin, maybe some of you go, huh, that's one art assignment I'm really good at. You know, the, the brush strokes of depravity painting on the canvas of life. Did you, did you like that sentence? Kind of like, okay, that's my best sentence. <laughs> uh, but still, I mean, the, the art of sin. Now, I must be honest with you that I chose this title just because it amused me, and I thought, ooh, The Art of Sin, that's an odd title for a sermon. Full disclosure, the real sermon title is The Art on How to Deal with Sin. Sorry for disappointing you, but The Art on How to Deal with Sin, and this is what we see in our scripture passage. So I'm going to read from 1 John chapter 1. And I will begin at verse 5. 1 John 1, verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light... As he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, We make him out to be a liar, and his word has no place in our lives. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. 
But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. The word of the Lord. As you can see here, if you're reading along in the Bible, there's a little heading in 1 John 5. It says, 1-5, it says, walking in the light. And uh, the theme of this message is, is walk in the light. This is what this passage is talking about, walking in the light. And so how do we walk in the light? Well, uh, that could be a whole sermon series, but we're just going to focus on this passage. We, we deal with sin. And uh, we deal with the art of dealing with sin. And so this is actually an acronym, A-R-T. Acknowledge, repent, and trust. Acknowledge, repent, and trust. And uh, that's what we're going to look at tonight um, in this passage. Now, before we get to the first point, I would like us to think just for a moment about light, since this figures prominently in the text. So I have a treat for you. It is a children's sermon for you. So if you all could come up and sit on the floor up. Okay, no. And I have no candy, sorry. But I have some things up here. Here is is a little flashlight. All right? Now, the light is a symbol of how we view the world, our faith. And some people... Let's say this is one path, nothing against you, you're not like this, I I doubt, but we'll just, okay. This one, this path, there are people that say, I don't care what anybody else says, I'm going to live the way I want to live. I will decide for myself my right, what's right and what is wrong. And so here they are, with their little light that they're holding. The light is kind of dim because it's being created by a person. And a person is, well, we're, we're frail, we're weak, we're limited, we're finite, and so our light is, is, is not too bright. But we, this person uses this to, to light the path before them. I'm going to do what I want to do. Now, there are other people have a different light. There we are. And it is this path. And this path is, you know what? I acknowledge there's right and wrong in this world, and I do kind of feel bad about the wrong. So you know what I'm going to do? I am going to do my best to, to go to worship, to give, to act good, and based on my good deeds and my religiousness, well, this is my light for life. But again, the person is holding it. They're trusting in their own strength, and they, this is the way... They light their path. Now, obviously, in this text, there is a different light that is being talked about. We have this little light, and we have this little light. And now, oh, this is good. Now we have the, the, the 500-watt halogen. If I was doing this in high school, I would shine this in the students' eyes. And be amused. I will not do this to you. Okay? Let's, yeah. Okay, so now, 
Oh, there, now we, oh, now we have a light. <laughs> oh, and it's, and it's hot. I mean, there's a cage here, because if you touch this light, it, it would burn you. It's hot. Now, notice, this light is behind me. This is not a light that I have created on my own. It is a light that is there. And we are going to, this light, obviously, is going to represent God's light. Now, what does God's light do? God's light reveals who we are. It's honest about us. It shows us that, yes, we are valuable, but also we are sinful, and it exposes that sin within us, this light. This light not only shines behind us and reveals us who we are, it also lights the path before us with a very bright light. And this light, as Pastor Greg referred to, this is a light of hope because it shines a bright light for our life and it shines into eternity as well. Now the Apostle John says this light, this is the light of Christ. And why does he say that? He says that in the the previous verses. He says that because he knew Jesus. He walked with Jesus. He heard Jesus preach and teach, and he saw the love through Jesus' eyes that melted people's hearts. He saw Jesus heal, and he saw Jesus Christ with his own eyes and his own beating heart. He saw Jesus, our Lord Jesus, die on the cross. And then, miracle of miracles, he sees Jesus resurrected from the dead. And he says to his friends, he says to the church, this is the light. Walk in it. It is not some measly light of ignoring God's way or measly light of relying on your own strength to be good. This is the light of Christ. The problem is, as I previously said, this light exposes our weakness. So what are we going to do about that? Well, first, John talks to us about the art of dealing with sin, of walking in the light. I will turn this off for now to save on the electricity bill of the church. So... First, we need to acknowledge sin. Acknowledge. We need to be honest with our lives. 1 John 1, 8 and 9. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins. There are many people who say, I can do what I want to do. There are many people that will live in shame and guilt or people that will try to just ignore the whole question, but ignoring it doesn't make things go away in our heart. We are called to acknowledge and to confess. Uh, Two examples of kings in the Old Testament that did not acknowledge. One was uh, Jehoiakim. Oh, there's many examples, of course, but one, uh, Jehoiakim, Jeremiah 36, 9, uh, in the ninth month of the fifth year, Jehoiakim, a king of Judah's southern kingdom, an ungodly king who worshipped idols, 
who did not follow God's law, Jehoiakim decreed a time of fasting. He kind of was over here. I'm going to do what I want. And then, all of a sudden, he's like, oh, let's be all religious and have a time of fasting when he was not even being honest with what was going on in his own heart. Another king, Zedekiah, he was made king by uh, king of Judah by Nebuchadnezzar. Then he betrayed his allegiance and treaty with Nebuchadnezzar, and he got quite nervous about this. Here's what uh, Jeremiah 37 says. Neither he nor his attendants nor the people of the land paid any attention to the words of the Lord spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. Did not pay attention. King Zedekiah, however, sent two men to Jeremiah the prophet with this message. Please pray to God for us. I don't want to acknowledge my sin, but Jeremiah, we're going to use you now as a good good luck charm. Maybe this will help us with no acknowledgement of what's within. Now, confess your sins means acknowledge. When you confess your faith, that means you agree. Here is what I agree with. I confess my faith. When you confess your sins, that means acknowledge. I acknowledge this is bad, this is sin before God. And I say, yes, Lord, forgive me, this is sin. And why do we acknowledge before God? Why? Because God, gracious God, offers us forgiveness. So we do not need to have any fear in the acknowledgement. But the acknowledgement must be there. The Bible says, and God forgives us our sin. When you think about your own life, tonight, this week, we all need to be honest. What, what is the sin or the sins that you struggle with? We are all on this journey. None of us have arrived to perfection yet. And we must ask ourselves, what is it that we struggle with sin-wise, and how is God calling us to be more honest about this? You know, some people, it's, it's a matter of, of trust. They will trust money or their weak ability to control the situation or of power, or maybe it's trust in health care or whatever, more than God. For some It is in relationships with others, and they just find themselves gossiping, maybe speaking unkind words. Or some people might look so good on the outside, but inside, unkind thoughts. Just going through the mind, unkind thoughts about this person and this person and this person, like we're above it all. Maybe some I mentioned earlier, maybe it is food or or something else that our heart attitude is not right with, and we, we just really would rather not acknowledge that, but God is calling us to acknowledge it. Because I work in a, in a school, now, because I live in America right now, when I bring up this subject, I must think about the screen. Uh, quantity and quality. Uh, As we know, screen use, this big, 
this big, this big, or really big, has just grown massively. And uh, TV companies will extol binge-watching television programs as a virtue. Guess what you get to do? I highly doubt when we get to heaven, none of us in this room will regret, boy, I wish I watched more TV. Now, I'm not just slamming TV. We need to look at our heart. It is a heart issue. Secular media called the cell phone a pocket god. It's mysterious in how it provides so much omniscience for us. Not really, but there's so much there. We need to to look at its grip in our lives. Likewise, we need to think about the quality. Fact of the matter is, most of my students this week will see things that are clearly, plainly sensual online. And it is awful, it grieves the heart of God, and this is the day in which we live. Because of that access of the screen. We must be honest about the heart and where we are. Let me tell you, uh, I, I like to read the news online. And I am very uh, particular on which uh, news sites I go to. Some of them I like. It's just news and not a lot of little flashing things on the side like, click on me, click on me. Yes, yes, you know what I mean. Yes, okay. All right, so here I am reading the headlines in the news. Now, one thing I discipline myself to do, I don't know about you, this is a heart issue, okay? I'm not saying... You know, what would Mac Wiener do? Okay, I'm just telling you what I do, but I'm not saying you have to be me, okay? It's clear. But one thing that I discipline myself to do is not to read a lot of entertainment news. Uh, you know, you read that, I don't know, for myself, I'm like, you know, however, I do like to, when I read the, the headlines, I'll come to like little three top stories entertainment. I'll just scan, see what's there. Now, occasionally... I will click on an entertainment news story because I'm thinking, oh, you know, my, my students have told me about this. And this is good. Click, I need to understand this a little more. Very good motives. Okay, heart, this is fine. I'm not being sucked in. Oh, I'll read this. Okay, so, so I read this. However, I may click on this story, and it may bring me to another news site. And on that news site, at the bottom, it's like, oh, Things are on the web. Click on her. Click on this. Click on that. And right there, I wasn't even looking for this. There it is right in front of me. And the point is, in my own life personally, to be honest, I think about every click of the mouse or touch of the screen. It exposes our heart, and we need to be honest with where our hearts are at with digital media. This is one of the biggest issues of our day, I believe, when it comes simply to dealing with sin in our lives. So how how to walk in the light, acknowledge sin, 
which is confess. Number two is repent, turn from sin. Now, the word repent is not in 1 John, but it is assumed, it is implied. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. The purpose for writing is that you will not sin. Repentance is a turning away from sin, so you will not sin. So you're walking this way, this path, you confess it, and you repent. You turn in the other direction. When I was uh, in college, I I worked at Camp Manitoba, and uh, one of the, the blessings was ministry to children, also getting to know the other counselors. We had a great Christian community. Well, there was this uh, one counselor. What shall I say? I just kind of uh, thought she was out of my league. Does that, yes? Am I communicating? I don't, yes. I, okay, anyway. Well, like when she talked to me, I thought, oh, I, uh, 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 you know. I was a short, funny guy, you know, and here's this, oh, I was like, oh, yeah. And uh, actually, she, she, she kind of liked me. I mean, we weren't an item or dating, but she kind of liked me, and she liked spending time with me and talking with me, and I was like, oh, that's, well, that's nice, yeah, good. And uh, as we got to know each other, we were talking one day, and she made a few comments, and I said, my, that, that's kind of proudful, I said to her. And I remember her response. She said, you know what? It's just part of my personality. I don't care. That's who I am, and that's what I'm going to be. There was the stubbornness that she did acknowledge and said, I don't care. I'm not changing it. And what was so interesting about that, when she said that, she wasn't so pretty to me anymore. Um, Repentance is acknowledging and saying, you know what? No, I I need to turn. Now, obviously, we use confession and repentance kind of interchangeably. And that's fine. I mean, we, we can do that. I, technically, at least for this sermon, I'm referring to repentance is the big category. And underneath this umbrella is you confess your sin. But you not only acknowledge the sin, you're also called to turn from the sin as well. Um, Acts uh, chapter 3, verse 19. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. And so uh, we are called in weakness and in sincerity to repent of our sins before God. Sometimes sins disgust us so much that we repent and turn and no problem. But there are times, as we all know, We're walking, we confess the sin, we repent, and then what happens? We're right back here. Confess, repent, here, and then we go right back. Fortunately, grace is not adequate grace, it's amazing grace. Yes. (laughs) However, in repentance, there is this idea of waging war against sin. And if you find yourself back and forth, back and forth, this is a signal that your repentance needs to be deeper 
and you need to enlist the help of others as well. There are times where God is calling us to pray perhaps like we have never prayed before, to do battle with this sin, to open up that Bible, to turn to to Psalm 51. What a beautiful, heartfelt, angst psalm of confession. And go over this psalm, spend time in prayer and repentance and seeking God over this. Secondly, in our repentance, if it's not working, we need to enlist the prayer support of others to find a trusted friend or a few friends or confidants to say, confess the sin to them and say, please help me. And not only that, we do need, in our repentance, to create, uh, what shall we say, borders, boundaries, rules in our life to, to help us as well. They may not be in the Bible, but if we're dealing with a heart issue, we know our weaknesses, and we need to say, oh, I can't go there. For me, no crossing there. For myself, um, as you might imagine, I, I take this Bible teaching of Timothy very seriously, and, and God is uh, calling me to, to walk the talk. I can't just blah, blah, blah. It's, it's got to be here as well. And uh, so I, I've told my students, I said, you know, there's, there's a lot of movies out there, you know, and, and some are good, okay? Some, maybe grayers. There's some that are just bad, just bad. I tell my students, you know what? Okay, I'm an adult. I, I can do what I want, okay? I, I own the TV in my house, okay? I, I own that. I let my kids live in my house. Room and board is very low for them. No, okay, I don't do that. But it's my stuff, right? And you know what I do? I've just made it my kind of little, little rule thing that any time I watch a movie, and first of all, I don't like to watch a lot, but if I do, I am with my wife or I tell my wife. She is right there in, so I am not like, oh, I'm going to watch a movie. You know, like, it's just one of my little, little boundaries, which is so good. Sometimes God is calling us to do this in our repentance, to pray like we never have before, to enlist the support of others, and also to create boundaries in our life. This is how we walk in the light, acknowledge sin and repent of sin. And lastly, trust in Jesus. Trust in Jesus. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Why are we forgiven? Why are we forgiven? It is 1 John 2, verses 1 and 2. Now, this time, I'm going to read out of the English Standard Version. It says this, But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate, an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not only ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. The propitiation for our sins. How many of you have used that word in the last week? Propitiation. Yes. Now, the NIV says atoning sacrifice. Jesus is the one who atoned or paid the price for our sins. This is one way to translate it. The word propitiation kind of ups the level of severity. Sin is so 
evil in light of a holy God. That the only response that God has for sin is wrathful, angry judgment on sin. And so propitiation is the appeasement of God's wrath upon us because Jesus took the punishment for our sin. As you know, the cost of our forgiveness is high. It is high. And that is why we can have hope and forgiveness when we come with our sin before God. And so when we struggle with sin, we need to look to Jesus. Some people struggle with guilt and shame in a very public way. Their sin was public. Sin has consequences. And when people go through the consequences of sin, they, they kind of feel, I'm not forgiven. But you are. You look to Jesus. Some people struggle with, with guilt and shame within. People can't see it on the outside, but inside it's eating them up. We are weak. He is strong. We are sinful. We acknowledge it. We repent. And what happens? We are clean. The righteousness of Jesus is upon us. We look to Jesus. We look to Jesus. A month or so ago, we had a little series of uh, chapels at Timothy. And uh, actually, Jana, good, uh, Jana helped organize these chapels. Uh, they were on uh, mental health from a Christian perspective. Uh, one of the chapels, uh, she gave an excellent talk to the students on. After our little chapel series, we concluded with a prayer chapel. And uh, we did something at the Timothy Chapel that they probably did not do a long time ago. Okay, uh, All of the teachers left the auditorium. Not one teacher remained. The teachers went into the lobby, and we just prayed for the students. Now, of course, I, I set the stage before we left, and it was to be a time of prayer, um, a time of prayer together, prayer of indiv individually as well. And there was an action step in it also. On the stage were little post-it notes. And students were challenged to come to the stage, write on the post-it note, uh, pain in their life they're struggling with, just one word or two words, and walk over to the board. And on the board it said, in our pain, we look to Jesus. And as an act of faith, stick that post-it note on that board. We look to Jesus in our pain. In our sin, in the shame of our sin, we are not to have our heads down. We are to look up and trust in Jesus. Look to Jesus because he has forgiven us. He heals our hearts. He blesses us with his grace. And so in this uh, week ahead, as we turn this light back on, I encourage you, 
as you reflect on your life, as you think about the season of Lent, to be honest with what's going on in here, to be honest before God and acknowledge, confess your sin, repent of your sin, and acknowledge that God's way is the best way. I will turn away and turn towards God's way. And as you confess, lay aside any burden or guilt of that sin and walk in the freedom of forgiveness. Trust in Jesus.